0: The Anarchist's Workbench by Christopher Schwars, Published by Lost Art Press This recording is by Ray Terius and is not affiliated or endorsed by Lost Art Press in any manner. Any errors or omissions are purely the fault of the narrator, as is any general bungling of pronunciation of names. Chapter 8. Workholding. Edges and Ends Growing up in a quick-release vice society, I had doubts about how well a leg vice would work. I'd seen hundreds of images of them as I researched ancient benches, but I'd never worked with one, until I built one. I can still remember the giant creak the mechanism made as I cinched it down on a scrap for the first time. I then grabbed the scrap and tried to yank it loose, unsuccessfully. That was a good day. To be sure, I understood the theory of how it worked in conjunction with a parallel guide at the floor, and later a crisscross mechanism, but I didn't know how effective the vice would be. Would it wobble laterally without parallel guide bars? Yes, but that allows it to hold tapered workpieces. Would it hold work as firmly as an iron-drawed screw vice? Yes. Would I get annoyed at moving the pin in the parallel guide to accommodate the different thicknesses of work? Yes but not as much as I suspected. In other words, I was like every other workbench builder who had contemplated a device he or she has never used, or even seen in person. You can grasp the theory, but how well does it really work? Is it lame? Weak? Inconvenient? Fussy? Did you just flush $200 into a piece of equipment that will mock you every time you step up to the bench? Maybe. Maybe. The following vices are what I consider mainstream designs. These are vices that have been around for a long time and have proven reliable. When you encounter vices that are outside of the following list, that doesn't mean you should automatically avoid them. You just need to know that you are a laboratory rat. You volunteered. And that's fine. Some people love to download beta software to their computers. Others are still using MS-DOS on 5 and a quarter inch floppy disks to run their missile silos. First, let's get a few basic terms out of the way so we're all speaking the same language. What's a face vice? The face vice is on the front of your workbench. If you're right-handed, it goes on the left-hand side of the benchtop. If you're left-handed, it goes on the right. Why? Usually when planing longboards, it's more comfortable to plane from right to left if you are right-handed and the opposite way when you are a lefty. It's better to plane towards the vise screw, rather than away from it. This is from days when vices didn't have parallel bars. By planing towards the screw, the board gets tighter in the vise's jaws. If you plane away from the vise screw, the rack jaw can spit out the board like a watermelon seed between your fingers. Yes, I've had this happen. Face vices are almost all driven by screws, either wood or metal. The screws for woodworking are typically single start or double start. A single lead start has one continuous thread cut into the shaft of the screw and is simplest to manufacture. The distance between the teeth of the screws is called the pitch. The amount the jaw your vise travels with one full rotation of the screw is called the lead. With a single start screw the pitch and the lead are the same. For example, the pitch of my face vise screw is 5-8 inch from gullet to gullet. When I rotate the screw 360 degrees, the vise jaw moves 5 8 of an inch. A double start screw has two independent threads cut into the shaft. The lead is double the pitch, so if my vise had a double start thread with a 5 8 of an inch pitch, it would move the jaw one quarter inches with each full rotation. In general, I prefer double start screws. They are more expensive, but the jaw opens and closes faster. The other anatomy in a face vise is the parallel bars. These run parallel to the vise's screw and prevent the jaw from racking too badly when you clamp a tapered or irregular workpiece. They also assist you in moving the jaw of a quick-release vise open or closed. With these vices, when you engage the quick-release mechanism, the screw drops out of the mechanism temporarily and the jaw slides open or shut on the parallel bars. Not all vices have them, or need them however. A somewhat similar internal organ with some face vices is what's called the parallel guard. Like the parallel bars, a parallel guard slides in and out with the jaw, but its job is mostly to provide a pivot point on which to close the jaws. The jaw will screw freely in and out until a movable pin in the parallel guard encounters the leg of the bench. Then the jaw pivots and clamps hard whatever is between the jaws of the vise. The remainder of the anatomy is simple. The jaw is the movable clamping surface of the vise. The tommy bar is what helps you rotate the screw easily and it adds leverage when needed. The hub is the unthreaded end of the screw that the tommy bar passes through. Now that you know all the parts, you should ask if you even need a face vise. Well, you need something but it doesn't have to be a screw-driven vise that you add to the bench. It could be something that you have taken away from the bench. Notches While researching early workbenches, I found several examples of paintings and drawings that showed a simple square or rectangular notch sawn into the edge of the benchtop. Sometimes on the end of the bench, sometimes on the front edge. The notch allows you to hold work immobile with the addition of a wedge, I've had the best luck with softwood wedges with a shallow pitch, only a degree or two. You pound the wedge between the work and the notch and you are woodworking. It works incredibly well and is the cheapest and simplest face vise imaginable. The notch has significant limitations however. It's best for working on narrow bits, such as cutting tenon cheeks on a doors rail. You can use it for dovetailing by rotating the board 90 degrees but this technique has limits in my experience. The unsupported edge of the board vibrates, and you need a selection of wedges to accommodate different thicknesses and widths of work. But it doesn't cost you anything other than your time. I've also used the notch when cutting scroll work with the coping saw. The notch supports the work flat on the bench while I hold the saw vertical. And I'm certain there are other as yet undiscovered uses for the notch. Crochet. Working up the evolutionary ladder of face vices, the next step is the crochet or hook, a common accessory on early workbenches all over the West. The hook is like an open bird's mouth mounted to the front edge of the bench top. You shove the work in there, and the V-shaped opening restrains the work. You usually have to add something else to complete the work holding: A holdfast, a clamp, or maybe just a couple pegs when planing the long edge of a board. The crochet excels when planing the edges of long boards. If you have a lot of edge planing to do, use Holdfast to secure a 2x4 between the bench's legs to act as a platform for your work. Place your work on the 2x4 and plane away. It's less effective for tenoning and dovetailing the ends of boards. You need to add something to the setup to get things working smoothly. The opening of crochets tends to have either a shallow angle or basically no angle. For the latter kind, they work basically like a planing stop that has been positioned on the front face of the bench instead of on its bench top. I like using a crochet, but other vices are more convenient. Still, it requires only a chunk of wood plus a couple heavy nails or bolts to make. So if you're poor, or like woodworking using old ways, it's an effective tool with a long history. Joseph Moxon's Bench Screw Take a crochet and add a single wooden fast screw to it. The wedge shape of the crochet holds one edge of the work against the front edge of the bench top. The screw holds the work inside the crochet. This improvement was discussed by Joseph Moxon in his 17th century pamphlet The Art of Joinery, which became part of his Mechanics Exercises book. He calls it the Bench Screw. I built a version into my crochet. It had a wood screw with an octagonal handle. It works, and is an inexpensive vise to make if you have a thread box and tap, but I have some cautions. First, the tip of the wooden screw tends to mar softwood pieces. You can engineer some workarounds for this problem, inserting a scrap between the work and screw, adding a rotating pressure plate to the end of the screw, etc. Second, the handle of the vise takes some getting used to. I wasn't thrilled about having a narrow handle protruding 6 inches to 10 inches from the bench in the same airspace as my soft bits. I indeed caught myself on it pretty good several times, so I removed the screw from the crochet when it wasn't in use. Shoulder vise The shoulder vise, which was popular on many 20th century European workbenches, represents the continued evolution of the crochet and bench screw combination. This is it in its fully evolved form. The crochet is large, big enough to get an assembled drawer into, the screw has a sliding pressure plate, and the whole contraption, usually, requires an additional leg in the bench's base to keep everything stable. I've used this vice at woodworking shows, woodworking schools, and in private workshops, but I've never owned a bench with this vice, so my criticism is from a skeptic at literal arm's length. On the plus side, the vise offers a great way to clamp drawer sides for dovetailing. It holds tapered objects easily and is nice for edge planing. It can hold drawers and the like for cleaning them up as well. The downsides are noteworthy. The vise takes up enough space in front of the bench, 11 inches is typical, that I feel like I had to reach over the vise to get to the work. It's almost an awkward movement for me. Aside from that, The vice adds a lot of complexity to the construction of the bench. People I respect think it's the end all vice for dovetailing. In my experience, it's not. I much prefer a moxon vice that raises the work and allows me to get up close to it with ease. Leg vice. In the 19th and early 20th century, leg vices were popular. Then they began to fade from view as metal vices became cheap thanks to mass manufacturing. Instead of having to build a leg vise from scratch, you could bolt an iron vise to your bench and be done inside of an hour. When I built my first leg vise I kept looking for its fatal functional flaw, but I didn't find one. Here are its advantages. It's simple and can be user made with just a commercial screw and scraps. It doesn't have any parallel guide bars. Therefore it can hold tapered objects quite well. It can clamp objects anywhere between the jaw and bench's legs. This comes in handy quite a bit. Downsides Simple versions require a parallel guard. This is a stick of wood between the screw that is pierced with lots of holes and passes freely through a mortise in the leg. When you place a steel pin through the hole, the vise's jaws pivots on the pin as it hits the leg of the bench. This is what gives the vise its fantastic holding power. The downside is you must move the pin when you switch from clamping a drawer to clamping a 3 quarter inch thick panel, but it's not as often as you think. I thought I'd be moving the pin constantly when going from half inch thick to 3 quarter inch thick work, but those thicknesses use the same hole in my parallel guide. Instead, you move it when you make larger jumps in thickness. There are several ways to eliminate a parallel guide. The X shaped mechanism mentioned above. Commercially sold as a bench-crafted criss does the job best. Alternately, you can use a closely fit round shaft that passes through a hole in the leg. When the joint counters the work, the shaft tilts and wedges in the hole of the leg, like a holdfast. Another option, you can install a second screw at the floor and have a plate that spins on the screw. That movable plate acts like the movable pin in a parallel guide. This is handy because you can spin the plate forward and back with your toe. Or, you can skip the parallel guide altogether, which is how A.J. Rebeau shows it in his 18th century book. I worked this way for more than a year and used tapered scraps of wood and whatnot to tilt the jaw to hold the work. It's simple, it works, but it's occasionally frustrating when the right size scrap is not immediately at hand. My favourite setup? No question, a crisscross. Now that we're into leg vases, you might wonder if a steel or wooden screw is better. I don't have a preference. A big wooden screw moves incredibly fast, as fast as a typical double-lead steel screw. Wooden screws can get swollen and broken when grossly mistreated. They can also last centuries when treated with care. Steel screws can rust, and the hardware, secured with bolts or screws, can become loose, but also can last centuries if taken care of. Steel screws typically see far too much lubrication. Yes, that sentence was difficult to write, especially from oil or grease that eventually gets dirty. This gunk can then easily mar your work. To remedy this, remove the screw and its nut, degrease them both, and lubricate the screw with a little graphite. It's then unlikely the screw will mark your work. The leg vice was one of my biggest worries when workbenches from design and theory to construction and use was released in 2007. To be fair, I was worried about a lot of things, and I was braced for a toddler-style slap fight with the internet. The entire book revolved around two obsolete workbench designs. Both were made with construction softwood. Oh, and both benches were powered by the little-used leg vice. When the book came out, I didn't know anyone else in the world who had used a leg vice. Instead of getting eviscerated, something worse happened. For months I didn't hear anything. Not just crickets. Crickets with ball gags. I actually visited local bookstores to see if my book was there. It wasn't. Had it really been distributed? Perhaps the bookstores didn't want it. Then something changed. It started with people like a retired judge down in Alabama I met last year. He'd read the book when it first came out and was intrigued. He bought the yellow pine and built the rubo bench. It was the best damn thing in the world, he told me. It worked perfectly. He and fellow brave souls who read the book told their woodworking friends. They showed off their benches to visitors. And that's when the book started to sell. Soon people began sending me photos of their benches as proud as if they were pictures of their firstborn. Ideas and words are never enough. The ideas have to be dragged out and poked with a stick to see if there's any life in them. And that takes time. I was also relieved that I hadn't just stuck a quick-release vase on the front of the two benches in the book. That was one of my original make-the-people-like-me plans. Wooden-jawed face vase Some benches use a leg vise that has been rotated 90 degrees to create a large face vise. This vise can have a wooden screw with a parallel guide that runs in a track directly below the bench top and typically to the left of the screw in a right-handed bench. Or the vise can have metal parallel bars and a metal screw. This sort of vise carries all the sorts of caveats and variations as the leg vise. Its advantage is you don't need a big bench leg that coplanar with the front edge of the bench top. So, you can have a trestle base where the legs are tucked under the bench top. One upside to this type of vise compared to a leg vise no stooping. One downside, you don't get the nice clamping action between the leg and the jaw that is sometimes helpful. Twin screw vise. One variation on the wooden jawed face vise described above is to replace the parallel guide with a second screw. Most people call it a twin screw vise, and it's a wonderful thing. If the screws have 24 inches of space between them, clamping a carcass size for dovetailing is easy. You also can use one screw to act as a parallel guide for the other to create some impressive clamping pressure. You can clamp tapered bits with ease. What's the disadvantage? The twin screw vise can be positioned too low for healthy dovetailing. You might end up bent over the vise to cut your dovetails and experience fatigue or pain. I do love the twin screw vise but I prefer to make it a separate vise, what I call a moxon vise, to elevate the work 6 inches or so off the benchtop for sawing or planing. There are metal and wooden versions of the twin screw vise. Some use the bicycle chain to link the two screws. Some have independent screws. I prefer the independent screws. Even though it might seem more fiddly to clamp and unclamp the work, they have less maintenance than the twin screws that are linked with the chain. I've taken several of those chain-driven vices apart for maintenance. Simpler is definitely better in this case. Metal quick-release vices. It's hard to argue with the quick-release vise. It's easy to install, can slide easily right up to your work. It can clamp like the Dickens, so what's not to like? The parallel bars and the small size of its jaw. On either side of the screw are round metal bars that allow the vise to slide open and closed easily. These need to be kept clean and nearly tight to work well. But keeping rust at bay isn't the major problem with these vices. Instead it's the fact that they impede clamping. On a large quick release vise you might only get 3 inches of jaws outside the parallel bars. Sorry, but 3 inches is crap for dovetailing an 8 inch by 18 inch draw side never mind a 20-inch wide by 40-inch long carcass side. Yes, you can trick those vices into doing much more with some bar clamps and other cleverness. You can also add a wooden jaw to increase their clamping capacity. I contend that the quick-release vise is more suited for metal workers and machinists who need to hold small bits of work. The vices don't excel at holding big panels in most instances. Also, a note about the life of those vices during the long term. I've had my grandfather's quick-release vise for almost 30 years. It's a quality Jorgensen. Among all the vices I own, it requires the most maintenance and cleaning. Keeping the quick-release mechanism clean and functioning is important, and keeping the parallel bars clean of rust, lubricated, and tight is important in a humid Midwestern environment. The bottom line with these vices is that if you inherit them, they are definitely worth using. Just know their limitations. If you have a choice, however, there are vases better suited for furniture making. About that pattern maker's vice If you work with odd shapes, tapered or round bits of wood, a pattern maker's vice might be a godsend. But if you're a normal woodworker who makes lots of boxes with only occasional curved and round shapes, the pattern maker's vice is a bit like owning a Ferrari for driving to Creamy Whip. Its tapering jaws, tilting capacity and integral dogs Hold lots of odd shapes indeed, but the vise is expensive, a pain to install, and sometimes has to be removed to flatten the workbench top. It's a special tool for special applications. It's not my first, second, or third choice for a furniture maker. Oh, but look at that photo. I own one. A nice one that has been professionally restored, so I should just shut the hell up. Accessories for working on edges and ends. Sometimes a face vise alone is not enough to get the job done when working on edges and ends. For long boards, the face vise might not have enough holding power to keep the work immobile as you plane it or mortise it. To add support from below, consider adding a sliding dead man, or make it curvy and call it a dead woman, a mobile board jack, or some holdfasts in the far leg. If you have an English style workbench with a wide front apron, a.k.a. a Nicholson, put pegs in the apron to support the work. Sometimes working on the edges of boards happens on the benchtop, not in the face vise. You might end up planing edges against a planing stop. Or you can use a series of pegs in the benchtop to support a board on edge. This trick I picked up from the book, Woodworking in Estonia. Finally, it's always a good idea to enhance the grip of the jaws of your face vise. I've tried a lot of materials. Here they are listed from least favourite to favourite. Cork Shelf Paper Liner This is cheap and easy to apply, just peel and stick, but it gets chewed up quickly. Luckily, it's also easy to remove or replace. Cork and Rubber Gasket Material Farm supply stores carry sheets of rubberized gasket material that is ground up rubber and cork. You can also buy this from Benchcraft as Crubber, and as auto parts stores as cork rubber in the gasket section this is way more durable than cork alone there are lots of ways to stick it to the jaws of your vases i prefer epoxy suede my favorite liner for vase jaws is a coarse nappy suede it's also the most expensive option i fix it to the vase jaws using epoxy or hard glue if the surface is wood gluing leather using hard glue is like reassembling the cow in my sick mind. Suede has the advantage of being a material made from a natural and interlocked fibres, much like wood, so it's quite durable.